Welcome to the latest episode of the Gavel Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Christopher. The Gavel Podcast is the official podcast of Sigma Nu Fraternity, and it's a show dedicated to keeping you updated on the operations of the Legion of Honor and connecting you to the stories from our brotherhood. To find out more from the fraternity, you can always check us out on our website at sigmanu.org. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at HQ or uh, by searching for Sigma Nu Fraternity. Christopher, hello. Greetings Hi. on this uh, this beautiful Friday, um, which applies because our episode will come out on Friday. It's still Friday. <laughs> it's always Friday. Yes. Friday when we're recording, Friday when this is releasing. Yes. Uh, but possibly a Friday when people are listening, uh, or maybe not a Friday, depending on when you download the episode. Hey, that's the beauty of podcasts, man. You can listen to it anytime you want. You can listen to it in the future. Actually, you will always listen to it in the future. You cannot listen to it right now. That's true. That is true. Just like every picture of you is a picture of you when you were younger. <laughs> that is that is also true. I think that's a I think that's a Mitch Hedberg bit. Anyway, um, hello, listeners. Welcome to the Gavel Podcast. Excited to have you all here. Um, we have a wonderful guest this week. Um, uh, someone I've been excited to bring on for a, for a little while here, and we uh, finally had a good opportunity for it. Um, Chef John Siding uh, from Iota Phi at Wittenberg University. Um, Chef John is. Chef John is incredible, is what I'll say. I, I, I love working with Chef John. Um, we've had him on uh, some webinars, uh, doing cooking classes, and just uh, some general interaction with him from uh, headquarters out. And uh, um, he's just a, he's a really great character, and, and he's got a uh, really wonderful personality. It really shines through in the interview. Um, you know, ex- excited to get into it. But uh, um, any thoughts up top before we dive into the interview? I, I'm just I'm excited to get into it. No, I mean, well, I guess uh, immediately uh, changed my or uh, undermined my point, what I was <laughs> no, going to say. No, but yes. No, but yes. That's a Midwestern thing, right? Yes, but yes. no. No, but yes. Um, yeah, but yes. No, yeah, yes. but no. Yeah, but no, but yeah, yes. <laughs> um, yes. What I was going to say is that you know we've had uh, Chef John you know produce a number of uh, webinars for us. You know the cooking classes, and I've always regretted. Uh, oh, not regretted. I'm not a cook, uh, and I don't have uh, any reason to cook. Meredith and I, my wife, um, you know, we it's rare for us to cook. We live in the city, and so we have access to so many different food uh, places to go, and so uh, we find ourselves eating out uh, probably too much. Um, <laughs> but after you know, watching The Bear and Top Chef and all these great cooking shows, like yep. cooking is something I. You know, I think about a lot, and I wish that I had a skill for. And so, anytime we've done a webinar for um, for our uh, our audience, I'm always like, man, that would be a really cool experience to get to learn from him. For sure. And I've like, I, you know, I, I don't know about you, Christopher, but I, I have worked in food service before, and like, kind of. At- 
I think it's a it, it's like that in retail is like an experience that I think everyone should have at some point in their life where like you know it makes you appreciate the level of, of work and effort that goes into you know producing something um, so you know seemingly simple as like a, a meal or um, you know retail or anything like that right um, I think it's important to, to have experienced that and and um, having experienced it you know I know that it takes a very special type of person Person to uh, to make that their career. Um, so I, I was excited to ask Chef John about uh, you know how do you how, how do you make that your career and how do you stay sane and how do you uh, you know put in that much work uh, and, and see this. So you know we'll, we'll get into it here, but it's uh, uh, his answers are great and I, I think it 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 almost makes me want to go be a chef. But then I remember that uh, I have neither the skill nor the inclination uh, to become a chef. Uh, as Chef John is. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm Christopher. I'm the cook in our family. I uh, I, I have taken the mantle of, of uh, being being the cook, and I, I do all right. But uh, um, definitely uh, lessons to be learned from Chef John, uh, which we get into. So um, yeah, let's let's dive in. We'll uh, hit our interview here, and we'll see you guys on the back end. Hello, uh, welcome everyone. Uh, we've got a wonderful guest here with us today, Chef John. Glad to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Uh, well, f- first time here, uh, no stranger to, to Sigma Nu uh, a virtual online um communication though you've done webinars with us in in the past and uh we might have some alumni crossing over there and listening to the episode then as well but uh um glad to have you on on the gavel podcast so uh so chef john care to uh, you know introduce yourself and let people know uh who you are certainly um so my name is chef john um everybody in sigma nu um at iota phi knew me as dexter back in the day um but i am john Steiding. And I live in Marietta, Georgia currently, where I run a small catering company called Chef to You. Awesome. Um, so, so Chef, we uh, we like to go uh, we like to go into these interviews with a uh, with an alumnus by uh, giving you a chance to tell your Sigma Nu story. Um, you, l- let's hear it. Uh, I, I assume it's a it's a unique one. Uh, you can tell us about your Sigma Nu story. So Sigma Nu, I went off to college and absolutely had no desire to be in a Greek house. Zero. Matter of fact, my door to my dorm room said GDI on it. And uh, <laughs> that was that was a fair warning to everybody. Now, my college roommate, freshman year, he showed up with the, uh, the Fiji uniform in his closet. He knew he wanted to be a Fiji. He knew he was going Greek. Um, and he couldn't understand why I had no desire to, to do so. So fast forward to Rush, and it's January, it's cold, I'm getting on the elevator, and a guy I had known for the entire fall semester, I'd hung out with him a number of times, climbs on the elevator with me, and he's like, oh man, I'm so glad I ran into you. I was like, okay, what's going on? He goes, what are you doing for dinner tonight? And I was like, the same thing you are, we're going to the CDR, it's Tuesday. Yeah. And he's like... No, no, no. You got to come over to my fraternity house and we're having steaks. 
Uh, and I was like, but first of all, you're in a fraternity because I had never seen him wear letters. Like literally the entire time I'd known him. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm a Sigma Nu. You got to come over to the house tonight. We, we're having this rush event. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, he goes, I know, I know. You're not going to join. It's fine. I just need to have someone sitting next to me. All nice. right. Free steak. I'll go. So I get over there and come to find out, I know like 15 guys in this house. I'd either, wow. had, I'd either had a class with them or I'd hung out with them. Um, one of the guys was on an intramural uh, basketball team I'd been on. And as the event starts winding down, I get to talking to this guy named Rob LeCount. And um, he was like one of the older guys in the house. And I was asking him just a few questions. I was just, you know, genuinely curious. And come to find out that, you know, there were like six guys in the house that were Eagle Scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout. There were um, all these guys that had various ambitions in life. They weren't all business majors. They weren't all, you know, they, they weren't cookie cutter, which is what I assumed yeah. fraternities were. And if you looked at some of the houses on campus, you would easily see some cookie cutter behavior. But Sigma Nu wasn't like that. And by the end of the conversation, it actually had me thinking a little bit about, well, maybe this wouldn't be like such a terrible idea. Maybe, yeah. you know, I make a new friend or something. And so I went over to Brian's, uh, my, my friend's dorm room a couple days later. He wasn't home. And uh, Matt, his roommate was, who was also Sigma Nu. And Matt and I sat down and talked for like three hours. Wow. And by the end of that conversation, I was sold. I He... Buzzy could sell anything to anybody, but he really and truly, he just, he just told me about the fraternity. He told me about the history. He told me about, um, you know, the, the basically everything that I was interested in kind of fell into line with joining this house. So when I, when I went down to a pledge day, I uh, only wrote Sigma Nu down. I had, yep. I had no desire to be in any other house period. Um, if Sigma Dude didn't want me, I didn't want to be Greek. So yeah. later that day, I got a phone call. And by that night, I was sitting on the front porch meeting my new fraternity brothers. There you go. So it all yeah, happened I, within a week for me. I, I really and truly, you know, when people ask, well, you don't look like you would be you know, fraternity. I was like, no, nah, I kind of accidentally joined one. You know, it was, yeah. I had no plans on being Greek. And I love the fact that I am now. I, there is nothing about looking back on those times that I regret one bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I had a kind of a similar experience. Like I, I always said, uh, I, I didn't join a fraternity. I joined Sigma Nu. Um, like, like I wasn't. Yeah, I, I wasn't really interested in anything else. Just because, like, I wasn't. I wasn't out to join a fraternity. I was, uh, you know, uh, out to you know, join this group of friends that I had already made. Yeah. Uh, that that's a that's a great way to to do it. So so then fr from from there, uh, I mean, how did how did Sigma Nu kind of uh, uh, impact then the rest of your trajectory? So the rest of my trajectory, I actually left school a couple of years later, and uh, <coughs> between point A and leaving the leaving school, you know, I had served as an officer in the house. I I was social chairman. I was also um, uh, cadet marshal. That's not, that doesn't sound right. Candidate. Yeah. Candidate. Thank Candidate. you. There we go. I was like, I cannot come up with that word. Yes. <laughs> so, and, uh, so I'd, I'd served in the house. I really and truly 
you know, loved every single minute of being in the house. Matter of fact, I just saw a uh, fraternity brother I hadn't seen in 30 years um, about three weeks ago. So, um, and Donnie and I sat down and talked and, you know, it was just like literally no time had passed. Yep. It was like I had just seen him last week. So we got to sit and chat and, and, and enjoy some old some old stories. But really and truly, it was the what Sigmund stood for that pushed me forward then later to come back and want to donate time, donate money, and be a contributing member back to the fraternity was, quite honestly, I still believe that stuff. I still really and truly believe what the fraternity stands for. It, I believed it when I joined it, and I believe it still today. That's awesome. Yeah, a- am not was, right? Right. I am a Sigma Nu. <laughs> um, Chef John, so the last couple of years, we've had the opportunity to uh, slowly introduce you to kind of our larger brotherhood. Um, you had the opportunity to um, host a, a number of um, webinars that we did or that we partnered with you on t- to host essentially virtual cooking classes. Um, and so there are, uh, there are many alumni now, and then probably many uh, of those that overlap with our listeners of the podcast who uh, likely got to know you through that experience. And so they've got to see your talent as a chef uh, and learn probably a little bit about you through that experience. But uh, for those of you, who, for those listeners who have not yet met you, wanted to kind of do a little bit more of a deeper dive into your career journey as a, as a professional chef. Um, I also know that a lot of people are coming to this podcast probably having seen having seen the the new uh, television show The Bear, uh, and so that's kind of like the new uh, the new hot thing of uh, you know everyone kind of understanding or getting a little bit of a glimpse at least into a, a television's perspective on a um, on a, a kitchen, especially in fine dining experience. Um, so they might be coming into that or into this this conversation like a little bit maybe fr- like with that framing in mind. Um, but all that being said, I wanted to kind of dive into, you know, how did you um, find yourself kind of on this professional track to becoming a chef and then, you know, ultimately ending up kind of doing what you do today? So I was 12 and I joined the Boy Scouts and I went on my first camp out and nobody in my troop knew how to cook. Everything was burnt, raw, both. Um <laughs> It was, it was a horrible, horrible experience for that weekend. Um, and I like to eat, so it was not fun. I came home and told my mom that, uh, I was like, hey, I volunteered to cook for the next camp out. Um, it's in three weeks, and we get $2.75 per boy for the entire weekend. Now, let's put this in context. That was like 1984, okay? So... <laughs> 275, you could actually do something with. You couldn't do hardly a meal for that nowadays, but then we could do something with it. And mom helped me put together a, a menu. And I went and I was the cook for that whole weekend and I loved it. I'd, I'd been a, you know, I'd cooked in the house before, but I'd never cooked for like 22 guys. And who, if they didn't like what I made, could, you know, tie me up to a tree or something. So, <laughs> you know, we played it safe. And uh, by by 14, I was working in my first kitchen. Uh, by 16, I knew how to make every single thing on their menu. 18, I had a set of keys to the back door because I was a closing manager. Wow. Um, I went off to college, and every break, 
the uh, owner would call a day or two before I got home and ask, you know, is John home yet? Have him call me as soon as he gets in. And, <laughs> you know, for Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, all of those, I would go right back to work. And I loved working in the kitchen. There was just something about making food for other people and have them enjoy it that I really and truly like. I, I love watching the expressions on someone's face when they eat something that's delicious that I have mm. a hand in making or to yeah. watch somebody walk into the dining room and just be blown away with the, you know, um, dinner that I have out or whatever. So it's, you know, yeah. that, that is, that is the impetus behind why I started doing it. Um, once I left school and moved in with my girlfriend at the time, well, I needed a job. And uh, it seemed like a really good profession to get into at the time. This was the early '90s, and food food was hot. It was uh, yeah. it was one of those times where you could actually make a living working in a kitchen as a cook. And I found a guy that uh, was looking for an apprentice, and we opened cool. two different restaurants over the course of the next three years. And uh, by the time I was twenty three. He gave me a set of papers that said I knew something. So I went off to become a chef. And I've that's been in my title ever since. Some some sort of food related um profession has been the last 30 years of my life. That's awesome. That's that's, re that's really cool. It's um I, I'm fascinated because it is such a it's it's such a unique like human experience, right? Like there's there's really are a very small number of people that make food, um, and, you know, appreciation and, and preparation and you know all of this like just their their life, right? Um, that's uh, that's very unique. Uh, something I was struck by a question I had for you. Um, so I mean, you started so young, right? Like to and especially to have that responsibility at that at that uh, in that kitchen. That that you had at, at, you know, 18, did you ever run into like people not taking you seriously because you were young and trying and, and, you know, in these kind of, uh, authority positions there, or like, was that ever part of your experience? Absolutely. Up until I was about 40. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because you know, you have that, you have that one guy that's been there for like 12 years and he doesn't mm -hmm. want to change. He, he, yeah. he, this is how we do it. And sometimes change is necessary. If you don't change, you die. That's just, you know, especially in the restaurant business. Yes, you know, you can have a great steakhouse, you know, but Peter Luger's is not the end-all, beat-all of restaurants anymore. You know, there's 15 other steakhouses in New York City that are better than that. Back in the early 90s, Peter Luger's was the best, without a doubt, steakhouse in New York. But they haven't changed. They didn't advance. So because of that, they no longer hold that title. So, so what does your day to day look like? Like what, uh, what, uh, what do you do? <laughs> you know what I mean? I think everyone kind of has this mystical, uh, perspective of like, you know, the, the Disney movie chef, uh, that's you run around the kitchen or, or, or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, trying to think about like, what does the day to day look like for a professional chef? So for a guy running a kitchen, and, and I, I, I run in a catering company now, but if you're running a professional kitchen, your day-to-day -day looks like you're getting up early, usually around 6, 
you're going over your prep list for the day in your head as you're getting the day ready for a cup of coffee or whatever. And by the time you're having that first cup of coffee, you're writing notes. And, you know, you know what's in your cooler. You know that you have Chateaubriand in the fridge and you need to use it up. So what am I going to put that on special? And over the next hour, as you're getting to the restaurant, you're getting everything ready mentally, physically. You're writing notes. As soon as you hit the door, it's off and running. And that's at 8 a.m. Yeah. There's a lot of people who, you know, they look at a restaurant and it doesn't open until 11 and they figure, oh, the chef gets there, you know, at 10 or 10.30. No, no, no. The chef got there at 8 and is placing orders and doing prep and running the back of the house. Sometime around 11, 11.30, lunch starts rolling in. And he's got to change gears. And he's got to now start working the line. He's got to make sure that food's going out that looks good. <clears throat> so that's, you know, that's the, the next hurdle is to get through lunch. Most chefs take an hour or so sometime in the afternoon. Usually that quote unquote hour is like 15 to 20 minutes. Um, And at which point in time you're, you're reorganizing and getting everything ready for dinner. And then you hit it again. Most chefs aren't leaving until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Um, So to say that it is a grueling, 14 or 15 hour day every day. That is, that is the lifestyle. That is what chefs sign up for. So me personally now with my catering company, yes, we do start early. Um, there are some lunch services that go out. We do lunch deliveries a couple times a month. Um, and that's increasing and becoming more and more a thing. Uh, we do uh, dinner parties. We do drop off catering. We do cooking classes. We have a, uh, a thriving um, retail business as well, where we're uh, selling desserts at a local butcher shop. So that is a couple times a week we are making a delivery over there. So yeah, so it's, uh, it's a constant juggling act of making sure you have enough staff, making sure you don't have too much staff, making sure you have enough product, making sure you don't have too much product. Um, so it's, you know, up and down, it's literally every day is a new challenge for me. Every day is something different and I love it. Absolutely. It's inter- it. interesting. It's a combination of kind of routine, uh, and really nailing down a routine with like just improvising and getting, uh, like responding to things that are, that are happening. Right. Like that's a, that's an interesting combination. Yeah, and it's you know you want to say that every day is a routine, but every day is also different because yeah, there's a routine to it, but that routine changes every day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my Monday and Wednesday look different than my Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, so that's yeah. awesome. Uh, well, Chef John, it, at, at the uh, the risk of ruining a, a really great segue, because I know that what you were just talking about right now cues at yeah. it perfectly for where oh he wants to take this conversation. <laughs> I, I, I feel like the opportunity slipping away from me. So I do want to really quickly uh, circle back to a point you made earlier. Um, you were talking about kind of like, you know, 
getting into the profession. And, and one, I wanted to note uh, what a blessing uh, you were to uh, those men who decided to probably stick with the Boy Scouts because your cooking uh, was good. I, I can, I think, distinctly remember my campground experiences being the first part of what you described of, of absolutely terrible food, except for me, it was, I never want to go back. Uh, <laughs> food was terrible. Uh, roughing it in the outdoors is not for me. I am not cut out for this. And so I'm gone. So uh, to all of those men who had the opportunity to then be on the receiving end of, of good food, uh, and then they were then like, hey, this camping experience isn't all that bad, and then stuck with the Boy yeah, Scouts. Uh, I'm sure That's that uh, I'm sure that you know <laughs> you played a part in that. Um, well, let, let me just say that by the time I was 16 and be and getting my Eagle Scout, we were making fresh homemade bread in Dutch ovens. We were uh, spit roasting Cornish game hens. We were, uh, I mean, it was, there were, there wow. were some mornings where other scoutmasters would come over to our camp because I was making fresh homemade donuts. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for, uh, for individually packed items or individually packaged items and, and you know, with plenty of preservatives, uh, it would have been the Island of the Lost Boys for, uh, for, you know, my Boy Scout troop. I, I just, I don't think that we were uh, ever going to be attempting to cook anything from scratch. Maybe the, uh, you know, those like those tinfoil meals where you just kind of like package everything and you just throw it into the fire and then it kind of cooks. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, maybe we were pulling off something like that, but uh, <laughs> for the most part, it was, it was not what you're describing. Well, I'm uh, not going to lie that, that, that little tinfoil packet meal is still a guilty pleasure of mine. I will literally oh, yeah. to this day slice up vegetables put ground beef on top of it, wrap it up, put it in the oven. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. Are, you can't go, you can't go wrong. Once every you can't go months, wrong with the simple. I have to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's, question. What, 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 let's get back to your question. What did you want to know? Yes. So you were talking about kind of your passion and feeling, uh, I think this, uh, compelling desire to want to serve others through, uh, through your food and just seeing the expressions on their face and, you know, their smiles and they were, you know, eating great food. Um, you know, now that you're kind of further into your career, uh, you know, than you were when you started, you know, do you look at your situation now is like your, that passion has, has changed. Is it the same? Like, what do you feel like still motivates you to, you know, to feel that sense of passion uh, in your work? I still have the same passion. I, it, the same motivation. I, I did a, uh, a wedding um, here a couple weeks ago and there was only 16 people at the wedding and we did this really nice Italian spread. And to have the grandmother of the bride come up to me afterwards with this big smile and just wanted to tell me just how much she enjoyed the fact that, you know, I'd made red sauce that had been cooking for hours and she could tell. And, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of just little nugget is what really drives me every day, because honestly, I just like making people happy when you yeah. when you're out doing a catering job. 99% of the time, it's someone's best day. You're, you're catering birthdays, you're catering weddings, you're catering other celebrations. Very rarely are you there for a celebration of life ceremony. You know, that's not typically the thing that people have catered. Um, mm -hmm. and we've done several and, you know, people appreciate them, but it's not the same as everything else we do. 
And, uh, yeah. you know, I love the cooking classes. I love having someone come in and they see me, uh, they see me cut a green pepper, for example, and they've never seen someone roll a green pepper to cut it. They're like, I've never seen that. Or, you know, they've seen something that they can now take back to their kitchen at home. Even if it's not the whole recipe, even if they're never going to make Chateaubriand and Crute at home, they still learn something. Yeah. You know, that is, uh, that's, I love that. I love taking that, that nugget away from knowing that I impacted their world. I changed something fundamentally that they're going to do now for the rest of their life. That's awesome. Uh, listeners, as a note, Chef John is talking about me. Uh, I li- literally during, uh, uh, I forget it. I think this this was uh, when you did uh, like Cajun um, yep. Mardi Gras, I think. And I, I watched you cut this, this uh, green pepper and I was like, wait, okay, can we pause for a second? And can you tell us how, what you just did? Because that was incredible. Just watching this little thing. I, I've, I've tried to do it every time. I might have to uh, have you give me another tutorial. Uh, I always end up just doing it the, the, uh, the, the old way, but uh, I've changed exactly changed how, like how I, how I think about stuff like that. Um, one thing I wanted to say, it's, it just strikes me that um, just thinking about like you've, you're kind of tapping into the oldest form of like human communication, right? Like the gift of, of food, of sustenance from one human to another is probably one of the oldest good feelings that, that are like uh, exist in our lizard brains, you know? Yeah. Like that, that sharing of, of, uh, you know, resources with each other, you know, providing life to each other. It's uh, it's kind of cool that I can see how that, that can really be a, uh, like a lifetime thing that never fades. It absolutely is. Um, so the, the one thing is that I'm, I'm a real bad food nerd. I, I know like really obscure food facts. And one of the things I absolutely love is something called food anthology which mm. is the study of culture through their food and tracking how one person's food has impacted others. Now, this has typically been done through conquest or trade. Mm-hmm. So that it, it's like the old, um, you know, the Italians didn't invent spaghetti, the Chinese did, and Marco Polo yeah. brought it back. Probably not true. Every, every single... Um, developed uh uh what do i want to say um group has society society has made some sort of pasta Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it was with rice or or semolina or flour or corn they've made something that they put into a boiling pot of something and it turned into food yeah but to watch what happens when two cultures get together Mm -hmm. and and how that expression changes and how it advances and how it moves forward. You know, the French for a long, long time were the leaders of high cuisine throughout the world. And that then pushed everybody else to be better because they didn't want the French to be the best. It, it was just very simple. That, that still was, true. You know, and it's still true. You know, no one wants the French <laughs> to win. So we got to do something better. We can't let them win the cheese competition. So yeah, we're going to make a blue cheese that tastes better. Okay. 
the the endless food and taste arms race. Yeah, it's interesting because like it's it's um it, it, like imagine if you could read the record of of food, but uh, like throughout all history, but you can't because it's it's uh, essentially like temporary. Like it's it's yeah. it's made to be eaten. Like you you will never experience um you know a, a cheese. Uh, that that was made in you know the the, the 1700s right like because you weren't there right and and like it would be impossible to keep and you're absolutely right so for example um the statue of david yes we can look at that the exact same way it was looked at the day it was unveiled exactly but the food they served at that unveiling will never be recreated yeah, only because it's, cause it's gone. It ha- exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh, you, you <laughs> get what I'm saying. Yeah, that's so cool. But yeah, like because you can then you can read about it. Maybe you could maybe you could make a recipe that was passed down that that you would have been there would have been time appropriate, and it'll probably be very close. But just because it wasn't those ingredients, that water, like that exact yep. place, um, you know, the conditions that day, like it's different. It's very neat. Uh, I, um, sorry, it <laughs> took us on a sidetrack there, but I, I appreciate that you, uh, that you feel where I'm coming from. Well, I, I think so, I ultimately took us on the biggest sidetrack. So, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, with that, uh, we, we did, we did up top kind of say that we were going to, our, our aim was to get sidetracked a couple of times. And, yeah. uh, and I, 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 I like that. So to bring it back, uh, then, um, you you talked about you kind of running a kitchen or you know running a business. Um, you know when it comes to food, it is this um, you know, it can be a high pressure and you know, very uh, grueling um, you know, job to be in. Like you said, you know it's all day and it's uh, it, it does not stop. The, the lunch rush is coming whether you are ready for it or not. And uh, when eleven thirty hits, the people are hungry and they will be there. Um, so, like, what lessons could a, you know, a leader at, at one of our active chapters or maybe, um, you know, a, an alumni advisor um, take back to, um, you know, their, their chapter? Uh, a, like, what advice would you give them or what, uh, what lessons could uh, uh, someone take from, you know, the kitchen uh, uh, daily grind that they could apply in their chapter? Two things. Um, number one, empathy. Mm. Um understand that the person in the dining room is hungry mm-hmm. that that they want what you want to make them mm-hmm. and just like being a leader in a fraternity house the guys there are looking for leadership they're they're looking to you and you at one point in time were that guy yeah didn't just remember that instead of barking orders that the answer really should be lead with them and not push them. It's, you know, when I'm in the kitchen, I'm on the line. I'm right there. I'm not, I'm not the chef that walks through, tastes something, complains and gripes about it and then keeps walking. Now, if we're working a job and we're in somebody's home and we're wrapping up at the end of the night, I wash dishes. It's not, I'm not above loading the truck. I'm not above yeah. scraping a plate. When you're the leader, you can't be above helping to pick up the living room or to take that bag of trash out after an event. That shows leadership. That shows the others who are younger what to do. 
That's that's such an awesome lesson. Yeah, absolutely. And and not not doing it to be seen doing it, no. doing it because it needs to be done, right? And and uh, and you can see that whole operation and need, know that it needs to get done. And yeah, that's that's really cool. That's a that's a great lesson. So lesson number two is honesty. Just simply live your life honest. Mm. Don't try to fake it. Don't try to cover up a sin with you know enough sauce that they can't taste it. If you overcook the steak. Just be honest about it. Throw a new steak on. Make it the right way. It's like in a fraternity house. Just if you made a mistake, let the guys know. Hey, you know what? I kind of screwed up. I uh, I made I made an error in in judgment and spilled spaghettios all over the living room. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get that cleaned up for you guys. But just know it was me, and and I'll yeah. take care of it. Rather than mo- moving the couch over top of it and uh, <laughs> pretending it didn't happen. Covering up a sin with sauce. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you just move the couch over top of it. It never happened, right? You put enough That's so sauce great. on that steak. No one will know. That's so great, but but uh, but you can taste it, right? Like food, yeah. you you can't you. That's that that's uh that honest, honestly, that's where I thought you were going with it. Is like you can't lie with food. No, like, it, and, uh, and it's and that's ultimately you can't lie about the stain on the floor. Someone's gonna move the couch because it weirdly <laughs> to cover the next stain. <laughs> exactly to move over the next stain, and and that's the same thing with the food. Is you can't hide that you overcooked that steak. As soon as it hits the table. Someone's going to cut into it and be like, that's not medium rare. That looks more like well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's enough Bernays sauce on it that, you know. We'll like, eat it. Yeah. I can dip it in the Bernays and maybe still eat it, but it's not going to be what I ordered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Two really excellent lessons. Uh, and I think uh, you said in a way that, that uh, again, like it's food, it's this universal constant. Like we, we can all understand and um, can take that lesson and, and synthesize it. Well, and I too, and just to add on, I, I think, you know, hearing those two lessons, I also, I also think about chapters who are trying to um, strive for excellence, you know, as we talk about, you know, they're, they're trying to you know, improve their reputation and, you know, in each of those moments you described, like if it's a singular act, it, you know, for someone, they can kind of dismiss it as like, oh, well, you know, it's only, it's only one time that I, uh, you know, covered, covered the sin with sauce, or it's only one time that, you know, I chose not to, um, you know, stay behind to kind of help, you know, be the leader and, and kind of and demonstrate my, my leadership by doing the, the small tasks that, that need to get done. Um, but I think oftentimes chapters, what they end up doing is everybody makes excuses for those small mistakes. And then it accumulates mm-hmm. into, you know, a chapter experience that's mediocre or that's neglected. Uh, whereas the chapters that embrace the idea that everybody is responsible for doing those things, and it becomes a chapter culture uh, where no, everyone takes responsibility for their actions. Everyone steps up to the plate to, to demonstrate their leadership, you know, and, and taking care of the small moments. Those are the chapters that, that rise to that level of being an award-winning chapter. And I'm sure for, for your, from your experiences, the restaurants or the chefs that, that do those things, those are the ones that get accolades. Those are the ones who, who win the, um, the affection of customers who want to keep coming back because they just know the food is always uh, incredible and, and that they're going to be taken care of. Um, so I really like both of those, those points. 
No, you're absolutely, absolutely right. When you develop the culture in your restaurant, in your kitchen, it is imperative that you develop the restaurant culture that is everybody's in. We all row at once. We all, whatever metaphor you want to use, as long as everyone is contributing and everybody is doing the right thing, then you end up getting a loyal following. You end up getting a, uh, a reputation that you're a good restaurant. The same with a fraternity house. If everybody is honest, if everybody has integrity, if everybody in the house is striving to make it better, then that's going to be the reputation you have on campus. And that's going to be the house that other people want to join. So as, the, as they say, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> yes. Got it. Um, Well, Chef John, as we bring this conversation to a close, uh, we thought it would be, uh, uh, I think, relevant, you know, with the Thanksgiving holiday coming up to to ask you for uh, any food advice that you might be willing to share. Now, this is a an audio medium, uh, so we don't have the ability to uh, showcase you like. Uh, performing your skill and, you know, and, and talent and, and demonstrating uh, your, this advice. But, um, you know, in, in, in the ways that you can, you know, do you have any advice for uh, ways in which an alumnus listening to this episode or a collegiate member listening to this episode might be able to do something special for the holiday? Is anything that they could do to kind of uh, impress their, their family and friends this, uh, this coming Thanksgiving? I, I, I know this is going to be a good answer because as soon as you said that question uh, in our recording software, it tells me when somebody doesn't have the window focused and that I know that they're like off on another screen. As soon as you ask the question, Chef John's switched over to app is not focused and his face <laughs> just lit up like, oh, yeah, I've got a good one. <laughs> so my number one thing for the holidays is there's two. Number one is keep it simple. Keep it. Don't try to make something you've never, ever made before the first time on Thanksgiving morning. Something will go wrong. The stores are all closed. You cannot go get more of whatever ingredient it was that you just ruined. <laughs> so, and I speak he's, talking, again, he's talking about me. He's talking I, about me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from experience here where I say, honestly... I've done it. I had mm-hmm. to go to a gas station to find butter because I put the butter on the stovetop to make this thing and I let it sit there too long. And all of a sudden it was brown butter and it was no longer butter. So that's just, you know, me trying to be fancy on Thanksgiving Day and I almost ruined dinner because nobody wants burnt butter on you know, I don't remember what it was I was making, but it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. Number two is always, always, always brine your turkey. Mm. Always. Now, I do a wet brine. I let it sit overnight. To make your brine, there's a couple different things that you need to know. Number one, boil your brine. You want to take, and, and you can use whatever brine you want to use. You can go to the store and buy a package. You can go to, um, you know, Williams-Sonoma very famously has a brine that people love. and uh, But you got to bring it up to a boil. That way it infuses all of those flavors into the liquid that you're going to put your turkey in. If you just put it in the water, 
all that sediment is just going to be sitting at the bottom and your turkey's going to sit above it and you're going to be very unhappy with how that turns out. So that's those are my two probably biggest pieces of advice for the holidays. And then I can just rattle off five more things. So <laughs> then you can uh, so as as you're working out your menu, always thinking about the kids, make sure there's there's some kid-friendly food on the table. Um, you want to always make sure that you have more than one dessert. Don't just have pumpkin pie, have pumpkin pie and a cake. Um, because not everybody likes pie, not everybody likes cake. Um, my brother very famously likes pumpkin pie, but he likes three inches of Cool Whip on top of it um, because he likes Cool Whip. Yeah. <laughs> He's not really the biggest pumpkin pie fan. Yeah, so, pumpkin pie is just the vehicle. It's just the vehicle to get the Cool Whip <laughs> in his face. So, yes, that uh, – um, never forget whenever you're getting together with family to also pack your patients in the kitchen. Someone's going to come in there and try to help. They genuinely want to help you. I promise. It's just probably not the type of help you were planning. Um, And lastly, always have fun in the kitchen. It doesn't Mm. matter if it is a holiday or if it's a Wednesday night. If you can go into the kitchen with a smile, you'll make better food. Absolutely. I mean, that, that, that's just more advice that applies to the chapter too. Uh, have fun, have fun in the kitchen, man. If you're, if you're uh, an officer and you're uh, putting in the work, have fun in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I love it. Well, Chef John, thank you so much. This was awesome, man. Uh, it was really a fun episode and I hope our, our listeners enjoyed it. Um, but uh, we'll be uh, sure to have you back soon. I'm uh, looking forward to the next cooking webinar and uh, um, appreciate you spending some time with us today. Well, I really appreciate it, guys. I, I, this was a fantastic opportunity. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thanks. Or, and happy Thanksgiving. You know. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, everybody. The bright star of Right. Welcome back, everyone. Um, an awesome interview, man. Uh, so good. I, I knew it would be. Uh, having worked with Chef John, like I, I've I've seen him talk. I've seen him kind of go off the cuff, and uh, um, you know, to to peer behind the curtain, we always give our. Uh, our guests, uh, you're kind of an outline of, you know, kind of wh- where we plan to take the conversation and whatnot. And, um, chef John, I, I, I loved his advice, uh, empathy and honesty, um, being two of the, like those most important values, uh, when it comes to, you know, being successful in the kitchen and like the, the way he applied those to the chapter, like it's so perfect. Like it, it really does. I think it, 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 it captures the, um, the essence of like what, you know, what it takes to be a successful chapter. I really think like that, like, like you said, like, you know, uh, the proof is in the pudding, like your product is going to be better. And if your product is food, yeah, like that's what it's going to take. But if your product is, you know, a quality fraternity experience, you know, that's, um, it, it almost takes those same things. I just thought it was very interesting. Yeah. I mean, Chef John is such a, an incredible, person yeah i find him incredibly charismatic and someone yeah. i just want to you know continue to listen to oh, 100%. um 
Well, and too, I would also add, you know, we didn't really talk about this in the interview, but this is not our first time interviewing Chef John. Uh, we actually have a, an alumnus profile of him on the website. Uh, and so we will uh, include a link to that in the show notes. Um, but I, I, you know, find it uh, remarkable of just how humble, uh, you know, Chef John is and just not uh, diving into all of his uh, accomplishments and, you know, the people he's had the opportunity to cook for and, yeah. you know, um, his achievements as a chef. And so I encourage everyone to go and check out that article. He includes some additional um, pieces about his Sigma Nu experience in it. Uh, and so I do think it's worth a read. Um, so I won't, uh, I'll just tease it now, but yeah. um, I, uh, I think that it's, it's you know, definitely worth your time if you've not had the ch- chance to check it out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just get 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 a taste of what it's like to be in the room um, uh, w- w- with them. Uh, great guy. So a um, lot of fun having him on on the uh, on the show. And really, I uh, you know I think about this all the time. I think I'm you know you and I, Christopher, are blessed to be able to do this podcast and to be able to interview and and uh, you know interact with all of these alumni that we have that have these incredible stories and experiences and advice for us. Like um, you know. It really is a, a neat experience and to be able to connect with these guys so um so big thanks to uh to chef john for uh coming in and, and uh um, being on the show with us for a little while um any uh plugs before we wrap up christopher so we are very quickly approaching the end of the year which is exciting uh yes. but uh approaching the end of the year means because it's my uh, birthday right Actually, I don't know if I know that your birthday off the top of my head. I apologize. It's in five days from right now. It's also f- three days in the past, depending well, on uh, for our listeners, your perspective. Hearing this, uh, I have the opportunity to, to wish uh, Adam an advanced birthday, but for everyone else, you'll have to wish him a belated one. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, yeah, so we've got Adam's birthday coming up. Um, but uh, more important, I, I almost said more important. Oh yeah, but I'll, I, I'm not, I'll, I'll I'm save you from having to save it. More importantly, um, we have as we approach the beginning of the new year, uh, we have College of Chapters coming up. So College of Chapters is um, a kind of an intense interactive program for our collegiate chapter commanders. Um, it focuses on chapter management, leadership, and core competencies. We've done episodes that have talked about co- uh, College of Chapters in the past. Uh, Adam has actually done uh, some. Uh, episodes recapping, um, you know, kind of like in the moment sentiment from uh, participants who've had the uh, the opportunity to attend College of Chapters. Yeah. Uh, we can also link those uh, those episodes in the show notes as well. Um, so if you are an advisor or an alumnus listening to this, uh, you just know that hey, it's that time of year where we got College of Chapters coming up. Um, you know, support your chapters and in, in making sure that they attend that. Um, you know, if you're and so inclined, you know, give so that we can continue to, uh, you know, bolster the resources that we have to to continuously improve that program. Uh, but if you're a collegiate chapter officer who's listening or you're someone who is interested in running for uh, the position of commander specifically, uh, know that registration for that is now live. Uh, so we are uh, registering um, young men through the beginning of, uh, of December. Um, and to do so, uh, you're going to go to www.sigmanu.org slash C of C. So that's the letter C O F letter C. So C of C college of chapters. Um, and that's going to take you to our main kind of splash page for College of Chapters, as well as links to um, all of the associated resources, including registration. Um, every chapter is expected to have a collegiate 
commander in attendance, um, but chapters are also welcome to bring additional participants. Um, if you are interested in doing so, um, cfc.info at sigmu.org uh, is the email address that you will need to, to contact uh, to um, uh, re- request an additional yeah. participant. Yep. Um, so those are the two big things. Um, I'll also plug as kind of a smaller minor note because we do have officer elections uh, coming up. Um, I always encourage people to go and check out the officer resource pages uh, for each of the officers. Uh, there are so many different resources, including uh, manuals for each position. Uh, and so uh, those are, are uh, really well used, I think, tools at this time of year uh, for getting uh, new officers who have been recently elected prepared for uh, their first term as, a, as an officer in the spring. Um, about 80% of our officers are brand new uh, or hold their elections in the fall, so we expect a, a brand new incoming class of officers uh, each spring. Um, and so we know that uh, we want to make sure that those resources are, are, um, are known and, and made, uh, made use of. Yeah, uh, listeners, you got to understand, we've got two past directors of chapter services uh, on the the hosting platform here uh, for the Gavel podcast. So uh, if anything, you're going to get lots of great plugs for the uh, officer resources uh, pages, uh, because we believe very heavily in those pages. Um, But yeah, so definitely um, your chapters listening or advisors listening, um, you know, not only registering for for college chapters, but preparing for it. it just really makes it that that much more valuable of an experience. So going in and understanding, you know, what uh, what do we want our chapter to be in this next year? What do we want to see uh, from our our fraternity, our our Sigma Nu experience, um, and how can we make that a reality? You know, that's um, College of Chapters is this this singular opportunity where you know I think we get just in sheer volume of man hours spent learning um, the ropes. Like this is the biggest thing that we do every single year is. Um, you know, college chapters, and so it's it's the just the single biggest uh, place of you know, brainstorming and, and idea download and um, learning and growing. So um, huge opportunity. So make sure we're taking advantage of it. And uh, you know, year over year now, we've been expanding the amount of uh, second participants that we're able to uh, take on with this, or at least uh, our, our numbers have been increasing steadily. Um, so definitely, it's something that we've recognized is very valuable for our chapters is having that second participant. So. So uh, if you remotely think your chapter could benefit from it, and I would wager that that is every single chapter <laughs> could benefit from it. Um, if that's something you're interested in, please reach out. Um, like Christopher said, the information will be in the episode notes. So um, thank you all for listening. Um, Christopher, any final thoughts? Uh, nope. Uh, just uh, ha- thank- happy Thanksgiving for those who are listening to this episode before the holiday. Yes. Yeah, I think that's appropriate. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, what are we thankful for? I'm thankful for um, you know, having a, a job where I get to um, host a podcast. I get paid to host a podcast uh, uh, for part of what I do. That's really cool. Uh, I'm thankful for you, Christopher, and the experience that we've had over the last couple of years doing this show. And I'm thankful for our listeners. There, Dude, I took all the easy. I took all the easy ones. So now you get to go. You get to do the hard ones. Oh, no, I was going to say the exact same one. So I'm just going to ditto those points and, and yep. agree. Um, but, uh, but thank you, especially to the listeners who, who make this, this uh, worthwhile.
Absolutely. All right. Uh, and if you are a listener and you enjoy our show, um, you know, hopefully you're thankful for us. Uh, we would be thankful if you would um, share the show with a brother. Um, just let them know that it exists and it's out there and that there's uh, near 40 episodes worth of, uh, of content that you can go back and listen to. Um, all of them wonderful and pertinent to the Sigma Nu experience. So um, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you soon. What's the matter with Sigma Nu? Hallelujah, Terrica, who all together for Sigma Nu? Hey!